Thank you. Hallelujah. All right. Man, it's been good to be with you guys this weekend. This has been fun. And uh, God has good things for us. Usually when we do these conferences, we, we do them in a setting with pastors. And uh, it'll be a pastor's gathering to just invest in pastors. And so it's been a little different because not all of you are pastors, but all of you are called to leadership. And so it's been good to spend time with you. And usually what we'll do is we will, we will end that time with a time of impartation. And so I want to just touch on impartation a little bit uh, and just cover what that means. You know, in Hebrews chapter 6, uh, whoever wrote Hebrews, I was telling them this morning, I think it was Apollos. Now, you're going to find when you get to heaven, you're gonna, I'm right. Some people think it was Paul. I think it was Apollos. But anyway, I digress. Uh, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 6, he said, let us not lay again the foundation of the faith. He said, let us move on from the elementary things. So there's elementary truths that are foundational. And he gives us a list. He said, repentance from acts that lead to death, faith in God, the laying on of hands, instructions and baptisms, uh, the eternal judgment, and there's another one. Okay, so you have to check that out for yourself because I don't remember what it was. It's been a long weekend. But it, uh, the third one is the laying on of hands, repentance, faith, and the laying on of hands, and then instruction in baptisms, both water and spirit baptism. One is the burial, the other is the resurrection and the power coming upon us. But he says that there's the laying on of hands. And what's intriguing about that is he says that is an elementary truth or a foundational doctrine. He said, let us not lay again the foundations. But we don't think of the laying on of hands as a foundational doctrine. We just think of it as kind of a side issue. Maybe that's what Pentecostals do, you know, the old timers, that they would lay hands on each other. But that's, that's not foundational. But we need to understand, this is a foundational principle in the kingdom because it's through the laying on of hands that impartation is received. Impartation is the reception of a spiritual gift or an encounter, a deposit spiritually in a moment. And so we believe in impartation. Impartation is, you know, Paul said to Timothy, in uh, 1 Timothy he talked about uh, a gift that was given to him through a prophetic word and the laying on of hands. So there are times where people will receive an impartation, where someone will be called out and you'll, they'll say, you, and they'll give you a word and there is an impartation, a gift instilled in you from that moment you receive and your life is different from then on. Then Paul says in 2 Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that is within you through the laying on of my hands. So sometimes there is the physical laying on of hands. You see that all through the New Testament. Often when people were baptized in the Spirit, it was through the apostles laying hands on them and they would receive the gift of the Spirit. There were other times where the Spirit just fell before the, the, the preacher could even give an altar call. But there's, so there's these two primary ways for impartation in the New Testament. There is through a prophetic word and there is through the laying on of hands. And we need to get our faith up because God desires to impart spiritual gifts to us. Some of the greatest men and women of God today that are shaking nations had their life turn on a dime through an impartation. A dear friend of our house, someone that's been very influential in our church, is Leif Hetland. Leif Hetland was a, uh, a common Southern Baptist preacher in the Netherlands. He was internationally unknown. People all over the world didn't know about him at the time. And uh, Randy Clark came through, and he, he'd never heard of Randy Clark, but he'd heard of some things that were going on in his ministry. And so Randy went through down the row and prayed for a bunch of these pastors, prayed for Leif. 
Leif hit the floor and Randy said, I see you as a bulldozer in the Middle East. He said, there's great darkness before you and millions of souls behind you, and you're going to forge away. Years later, literally millions and millions of Muslims have come to the Lord through his ministry. He goes in and, and, and rubs shoulders with some of the most important mullahs. They'll fly in to meet with our State Department and then go eat at Golden Corral with Leif, these mullahs from the Middle East. He's known as the Apostle of Love. But what happened was he didn't even carry a burden for Islam for, for that sector of society until he received that impartation and something shifted. And within six months, he had launched an international ministry. Heidi Baker is another one that you've, you're, most of you are familiar with. She had been laboring in Mozambique for five years, and after five years, they had five churches, and they were almost dead. They were so worn out, just exhausted. They came back from the mission field, and they didn't know if they were going to be able to go on. They were on the verge of a, a nervous breakdown. They went to Toronto, Canada, and again, Randy Clark. She's, during that service, Randy looked at her and said, Do you want the nation? And she screams out, yes. And he said, God's giving you the nation. She, she got hit so powerfully by the power of God that they had to carry her in and out of the services for five days. Over the next 15 years, they planted over 15,000 churches. They were planting one church a year. After that, they were planting 1,000 churches a year and more. They've shaken nations. But it came, she received an impartation in a moment of time. And so impartation is real. God wants to grant us gifts to match our calling. And so we're going we're gonna to believe God to impart gifts. Now, here's the thing. Often, I've been in services where people will preach on impartation, and the hunger in the room is palpable. I mean, everybody's just, just hungry to get up there. And a lot of times, there'll be a few that get powerfully touched, and the others, they'll, they'll get touched, but there's not like this reception of great power. But here's the principle. What the few get by impartation, the rest get by inheritance. God will take people out of a group of people and powerfully touch them, and it, through our relationship with them, we all get in on the blessing. It's what we were talking about yesterday in, in, in regards to the dew of Hermon and unity. And, and when we're in relationship, one gets touched, we all get blessed. And so in that way, we can all rejoice when we see one of our, our friends, one of, our, one of the people from our city get powerfully touched by the Lord, that's a win for all of us. So we're going to believe God tonight for powerful touches from heaven. And so I want you to get your faith up. I want you to get your hope up because tonight God may give you a prophetic word. He may give you an impartation of a spiritual gift and your life can turn on a dime. One encounter with Jesus can change your life. And so we're going to believe God to really powerfully touch people tonight. Uh, we've, we've done a lot of information this week. Now we're going to go into impartation. We're going to believe God to make good on what he's taught us. So, Christopher, my son. Um, an Old Testament example of that was when uh, Moses was wearing himself out and his father-in-law Jethro comes along and says, hey, dude, you're frying yourself. Uh, that's not King James, but... but he says, you're, you're going to burn yourself out, and you need to raise some other leaders up. And so God had him take 70 elders and transfer the, the spirit that was on Moses and put it on their lives. And um, Dave did a great job of 
given those New Testament examples, I just want to throw out one example in the Old Testament. Um, I think a simple way of looking at it, um, I would say it this way. Um, when I think about impartation, in my own head, I think of it in terms like this. It's when what's on them gets on me. And that might not be really theological, but it's just uh, really the anointing is from the Holy Spirit, but the anointing is a substance. And sometimes it can seem sticky. What I mean is as in it's sticky as in transferable, that it's released from one person to another. And that there's this, uh, I was talking about it this morning at the church I was at about um, in Psalm 23 where he says, you anoint my head with oil, and we know that represents the Holy Spirit. He anoints my head with oil so my cup overflows. And that's the, the, the lifestyle that God calls us to live in, that we get so filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit that we overflow to others. And, um, you know, hopefully, it, to, to a certain extent, impartation is uh, a way in which we live that we just overflow and we leak to the people around us. We leak the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the love of God, and the anointing of his presence. Um, I think a clear example of that is Jesus is walking along, and he is going from one place to the next, and some woman comes up to him, breaks through the crowd, and grabs his article of clothing. And just by touching that, she received healing into her body. That's an amazing anointing that he's carrying so much that his clothes are saturated. I would, man, that, that's awesome. If somebody can, if you, if you are so saturated with the presence of God that somebody literally just comes up to you and grabs your jacket and they get jolted by the power of God and they get set free or they get healed, they get saved, they get delivered, that's amazing. Um, when I think about our context for our church, um, a, a, as far as my own life and then our own church when it comes to impartation, is... Um, I think I mentioned this the other night, the first time I went up to um, up to Canada for this conference, and I, I came back. Uh, well, how many of you remember the other night? I was talking about I'd go to Florida, and I'd go to the revival meetings, and people all over are getting powerfully ministered to, and all I get is a slight tremble in my left hand, and it's like, wow, bummer. Okay. So, um, and so my point was is I would come back, and I'm like, well, that environment that was there wasn't transferred into my life. I had to keep going back to the geographical location to get at the environment. The environment didn't come back with me. Okay? Some people had an impartation so that when they went back home, no matter how far away it was, that same environment of glory came with them. That would be impartation. But as for me, I love the environment. I'm like, this is great. Woo, God's presence is here. And then I go back home I'm like, oh, man, I miss his presence down there in Florida. So I got to go back to Florida. And so what happened was um, I had this encounter with God on August 25th, 2002 in my living room, really an encounter with Jesus. And that changed things for me where all of a sudden my heart was unlocked to the love of God where now I could go into an environment and receive like never before. And, um, and so we went up um, to this conference in, in Canada, come back, and just things changed in our church. A couple years later... 
um, I went on a, uh, a ministry trip with Randy Clark to, um, to Mexico City. And um, I'd never really, God, let me put it this way. I never saw people healed, and mostly because I never prayed for people to be healed. I just didn't have the faith for it. I'm like, why keep trying something that never works? Anybody relate to what I'm talking about? It's like, I mean, I know it's in the Bible, but I, I keep trying. It doesn't work. And, um, and so I'm in this environment, and he taught a lot on words of knowledge for healing and everything. And I thought, well, here's my chance. I'm with the dude who operates in words of knowledge for healing. I'm in Mexico City. Nobody knows me. I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> and so I remember stepping out and saying, okay, this thought that came to my mind for a word of knowledge for healing, I'm just going to go for it and share it. And it was an amazing time. And as far as the ministry of impartation, I, I, there's a lot of amazing men and women of God on the planet. But I think Randy Clark, more than anybody that I know of on this planet, carries that calling, that gifting to release impartation. And um, as Dave already mentioned, these different examples. So I came back home after getting blasted down to Mexico City. I came back home. And I remember um, the very first night, Dave had me share on a, on a Friday night service that we had. And um, I mentioned a few things about some healing uh, conditions that God wanted to heal. And this gal comes forward and she's like, um, yeah, that's me. I have those conditions. And this is how I said it at the time. I said, I will only pray for you if you'll come back tomorrow night and testify. I don't usually do that now. <laughs> I put conditions on it. But I said, I will pray for you only if you come back and testify. So prayed for her. God touched her. And there are two different conditions. Um, number one, all the the pain in her head, I think it was jaw pain that she'd been suffering for months, went away, um, that had been there, yeah, for several months, and then plus, she dealt with insomnia for like eight years, and she came back the next night and said, I, I, had a, I slept for eight hours straight last night beautifully for the first time in close to a decade, and so my brother, being the man of God that he is, um, months later, as I started operating in words of knowledge for healing, my brother, this is what he tells me, okay, we were ministering together in Tennessee, and he's like, God, if my little brother can do this stuff, well, then certainly I can, because I'm a better man of God. Okay, I don't know that he said it that way. <laughs> but I think he did say, God, my little, if my little brother can do this, God, then you can do that. And so, literally, that's how he started operating Words of Knowledge for Healing. And in those meetings, God broke out in healing, and it was, it was amazing. This is true, because he, I, I'm serious. I thought, man, my little brother can do it. I said, okay, Lord, I want to do it. And one of the first words of knowledge I had, this is, this is a true story. I had pain in my ovaries. I was in front, I was ministering to a bunch of drug addicts, and all of a sudden I felt this sensation in my ovaries. I can't explain it. I'm just telling you. And I said, there's a woman here with ovary problems. She got healed. And I've never felt ovaries since, but uh, it was an interesting thing. I might write a book on that someday. I can see some of you nudging right now. Well, Martha, it was good until now. I can hang with all this other stuff, but man, it's, they've crossed the line now. Woo. See, I would have said, I felt pain that somebody was dealing with in the ovaries. I would not have said my ovaries. I would not have claimed him as my own. Okay, well, anyways, it, it was good until the last night. Um, so anyways, the point is, the point is, then he began to operate in words of knowledge, and then we just began to teach that and release that to our church, and, and I've seen a lot of that. 
Um, but it started with just me going on a trip with Randy Clark and stepping into that. Um, a few years later, this was, okay, how many remember the other night when I was talking about um, I was at a pre, uh, church of the Presbyter of the Assemblies of God of Medellin, Colombia, and I was wearing a suit that almost got tore off by a, okay, okay. So, on that, so I said that was our second time ever to the city of Medellin. So six months earlier, we went to that city. Dave, it was just Dave and I. Had a wonderful time. Spirit of God moved and touched people, and it was really nice. There was no deliverance going on that I recall, okay? Um, but God moved, and he was ministering to people, and it was wonderful. So they said, hey, we want you to come back in the fall. So we, we went back in October, but in August, my spiritual father at the time, Bob Phillips, um, he had, uh, I was just thinking tonight, in April, it'll be five years since he went to be with the Lord. Um, he, um, he invited my wife and I down to Houston. He was pastoring a wonderful church called Encourager Church down in Houston, Texas. And he said, I, I just want to put you up in a hotel and spend time with you guys for a few days and just kind of spoil and love on you. And I'm like, hey, sounds good to me. Let's do it. So... Um, got a babysitter, and we're flying down to Houston. We already got the tickets to Houston and everything. And then he calls me like a few weeks before, and he says, hey, I'm excited about you guys coming. I'm looking forward to it, but I need to tell you something. Um, there's a little bit of a wrench thrown in our plans. Let me ask, anybody ever heard of Carlos Anacondia? Okay, Carlos Anacondia um, is a nuts and bolts factory owner in Buenos Aires, in the Buenos Aires, Ar Argentina area, Okay. But that's not really what he's known for, although he does own a nuts and bolts factory. Um, he got radically saved in the early 19... Well, it might have been around 79. But in the early 80s, he started showing up in these neighborhoods and just start preaching the gospel. And the power of God would fall. And not only would tons of people got, get saved, but massive deliverance. There was a cr tremendous anointing on his life for deliverance. Miracle signs and wonders. And so he would do these crusades, a lot of it within the context of the Assemblies of God, all throughout Argentina, and then he's done it around the globe as well. And he's seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people uh, saved in his massive meetings. He would go into a neighborhood, start off with maybe 100, 200 people, show up for this little meeting kind of on a street corner. And by a month later, night after night, there would be like crowds of 40,000 people with testimony after testimony of changed lives. But one of the major um, marks of his ministry is he would not only invite people forward to get saved, but then he would bind the devil and see people go through deliverance. So much that they had this massive uh, deliverance tent that they would drag people into. When people would start manifesting demons, they'd just drag them off into the ministry tent, the, the, the deliverance tent, and they would minister to them. So it was a massive mark of his life. So Carlos Anacondia, very, very famous, very well-known all throughout Latin America, uh, just a huge, very, very well-respected uh, evangelist. Um, and so Bob tells me, he says, hey, that weekend when you're coming, I apologize for the inconvenience, but Carlos Anaconda is going to be with us. So you're going to have to spend time with both of us. I'm like, dude, I love you, but this is perfectly fine. Like, I want to be with Carlos Anaconda. Matter of fact, he was supposed to be in Cedar Rapids back in November of 99, and he got double booked, and he wasn't able to make it. So I didn't get to, to be with him. So my first meeting with Carlos Anacondia that weekend, I wound up translating for him during the ministry time. And, and next thing I know, I'm like eating a Whataburger with Carlos Anacondia. It was kind of weird. And um, so when the, Carlos grabs me at one point, he says, hey, tomorrow in the service, I want you next to me. I want you at my side. And so I'm like, I don't know. He didn't explain why, but I was just kind of with him at his side. 
And before we left, my wife and I had to go, um, head to the airport before everything was done that, uh, for those meetings. But we were in the green room, and Carlos says, hey, I just want to pray for you guys. So he prays over my wife and I. And I'm going to be honest with you. I felt very little in that moment. Can I say I felt the presence of God? Yeah. But it was a very light way. There was nothing dramatic, nothing big. I mean, we just stood there. And how many know that you receive by faith? It's by grace through faith. That's it. I wasn't like jolted, shocked, yelling, screaming, flopping on the floor. No, it just you receive by faith. I'm like, okay, God, I don't know. Hey, he's an incredible man of God, so I just received by faith. And then, I, and then we came back home. That was in August. So then we go back to the city of Medellin in October. And suddenly we're in Medellin, and we get there, and the first night I'm preaching in this church, and I'm up speaking, and I'm not doing a very good job. Maybe like right now, I don't know. But I'm, I'm not doing a very good job, and all of a sudden the Lord tells me, shut up. He might not have said it that strong, but he was like, quit preaching. I'm like... And he said, and tell everybody to stand. I'm like, seriously? Like, you're interrupting my message. And he's pretty much like, the way it's going, it's worth interrupting, basically. <laughs> so I was like, have everybody stand. Okay, so I stopped preaching. Everybody stand and just welcome my spirit to come. Okay, Holy Spirit, come. And, in, and within a couple of seconds, over to my left, I hear this young lady just screaming out in torment. And I suddenly remembered that the Lord had whispered to me a few weeks earlier I, it was so subtle, I'd forgotten about it. He said, when you, get re- when you go to Columbia, get ready for deliverance. And it wasn't even on my radar. It just like slightly whispered to it, my heart. And suddenly this gal starts going through deliverance. The next day, we do these other meetings. Two more people go through deliverance the next meeting. That night, you get into a meeting. Some more people go through deliverance. By the last night, we're in this public arena with, I don't know, 1,500, no more than 2,000 people. Um, and it is crazy. People all over the place are screaming. And again... Um, it is it, that city not that many years ago was known as the most violent city on the planet more murders than any other city um, and then and mixed with that is a lot of occultism too uh, in Latin America and there was so much deliverance going on it was, it was wild and it was crazy and it, honestly it was kind of shocking <laughs> Because just a few months earlier, we were in that same city, the same denomination, the same context, no deliverance. Suddenly, we're back in that same city, and like every service, people are going to deliverance. I'm like, what in the heck? And I'm not the sharpest guy in the world, but eventually, I realize, oh, Carlos Anacondia prayed for me before we went back. Oh, okay, that makes more sense now. And it wasn't something I was looking for. It wasn't something I was pursuing. Uh, it's, it's not like I've had a desire that I ever prayed, God, when I get into meetings, would people, I want people to scream out and writhe like snakes or anything. I, that's never been a desire of mine, okay? But I do want to see the power of God come, and I do want to see people set free. And ever since then, um, there's just been a steady mark of deliverance. Um, I'm not saying every single time, but I've seen it more consistently in the last couple of years here in this country. And um, again, I will just say that's, it's a mystery I don't fully comprehend, but I think it goes exactly with what he's talking about of impartation. So a, a term that they use for impartation in Brazil, um, it's not that the word impartation doesn't exist, but essentially nobody uses it, okay? 
what they do is they use the terms transference of anointing. Because really, that's what an, it's, it's the explanation of what it is. So when we talk about impartation, we're talking about taking the anointing that is on one person and transferring it to another. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, God is sovereign. And there is no minister who can make that happen. God in his sovereignty releases gifts and callings and releases mantles. But what we can do is we can position our hearts in hunger and humility to say, God, I want to fully yield to you, Holy Spirit, to receive everything you have for me. So your life doesn't have to look like somebody up front with a microphone. Your life doesn't have to look like so-and-so minister whoever. But the anointing wants, God wants to put the anointing on your life for you to set captives free. To preach good news in Burlington and release the power of the kingdom in your context for people that Dave and I will never meet and we'll never interact with. And as wonderful as the pastors are here, they're pastoring churches and you are rubbing shoulders with people every day in your neighborhood and at work that your pastors might not ever meet. But he's anointed you to preach good news. So we all get in on this. It will look different. So what God did for Heidi Baker and what he did for Leif Hetland, the Norwegian, is amazing, glorious, but most of us probably won't go and do a crusade in front of tens of thousands of Muslims in Pakistan. But the Isaiah 61 mandate is for every one of us. Does that make sense? So, on one hand, we can't make anything happen. God's sovereign. On the other hand, we can fully yield to him so that at any and everything he wants to do, you and I get in on it. So I can't control God's sovereignty because if I could, you wouldn't be sovereign. I can't control that aspect, but I can yield my own heart to him. Make sense? So Lord, I thank you that you're a good God and you give good gifts. As a good father, you give good gifts to your kids. Sovereign Lord, you are merciful and kind. You are a good father. And you said that if we ask for the Holy Spirit, if we ask for a good gift, you are not going to give us a snake or a scorpion. You are a good God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. Do what only you can do. Precious, precious Holy Spirit. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We love you. And Lord, I thank you that even tonight, there are angels that are assigned to this meeting to take what's been stored up in heaven for men and women 
And you are here to release those angels who will release those gifts, impart them into men and women. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Lord, we say that anything you want to release to us, Lord, we want to run with it, and we want to use it for your glory. We want to use it for your glory. God, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us because you've anointed us to preach good news and to set the captives free. I'm going to ask you right now to stand in his presence. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. I want, I want you to just close your eyes and put out your hands and just, just tell him right now, just quietly in your own heart, in your own way. You can whisper it if you want. But just say, Lord, I want everything you have for me tonight. I want to give you all of me and I want to receive all that you have for me. Jesus. Jesus. God, Father, but I thank you that it's by grace through faith. We're not, or, we're not orphans begging you to do something you're reluctant to do, but we are your kids and we are hungry and we yield ourselves, we posture ourselves in, hum, in humility and hunger before you. Hmm.